Good morning for most of you. I think I greeted you, and uh, you can have a seat also because I don't think you're going to want to stand because, um, well, you could stand the whole time, but you'd probably get quite tired. Um, I am so excited to be here. I just want to say something before we begin. This is my really incredibly sparkly, mature phone case cover. Inside is a phone. On the side of it is this small button. It's very interesting, but when you flick it, it turns off. And so I just want to ask if you have a phone, beeper, I don't know, car phone, anything, laptop, would you flick it off? Just because it's so strategic often that during teaching, like right at a specific moment that, you know, even though your phone has never rang in like 30 years that you've owned it, it just rings at that time. We actually, um, I'm on team at our center in Ontario, and we have no cell phone reception there. It's amazing. Um, although people like get to our road and they go down the driveway and you can see people like after our course is over like walking around the house and we're like you you won't actually get reception here um, but would you believe that the phone rings sometimes people are like this what I have no bars and so we're just gonna flick that off so that nothing can come to distract um, so as I said my name is Alicia I've been on team at LL in Ontario for about seven years I had my seventh birthday there in the fall, and I love the ministry, and I've had the privilege of getting to serve alongside Matt sometimes to help with them, and I am really excited because I feel like the Lord really woke me up with some excitement today, and it could be because um, I stayed with Nikki and Perry, and he cooked us an incredible breakfast that included waffles and whipped cream, so that could have been some of the excitement. Um, but I do feel really excited in my spirit because I think God has something to deposit into you today. And actually, when we were singing What a Beautiful Name, I was thinking the exact same thing as Pastor Jim. So when he came up, it just really confirmed what God was saying to my spirit. And I feel like today he's going to give you a new name. Um, and I think it's really important because, you know, I'm writing, I wrote most of your names out, or Megan did. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, writing these names. And I thought, you know, there's so much in a name. And many of us say things like this, I've never really liked my name, or, oh, it's a difficult name, it's a challenging name, it's hard to spell, and my name is spelled A-L-L-I-C-I-A, so I'm usually called Alicia, 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 whatever, I respond to all of them, but it's Alicia, and I used to say to people, oh, well, my mom thought it, you know, she practiced it in the hospital, that's why she did two L's. And we had a conference, actually there was a conference in the U.S. in Florida, and Peter Horbin was there speaking, and he looked at my name tag and said, you have two L's, and I, you know, gave my spiel, yeah, like, you know, you could never buy anything with your name on it, my mom picked it, and he said, oh, it's very strategic of the Lord to place double L, two L's in your name, and walked away, very casually. One of those moments where, like, someone drops something on you, and you're just like, you, like, pick yourself up the ground, and they're already gone, like, eating, you know, eating a croissant, and you're like, you just changed my life, and, you know, and that was the Lord, and he needed to show me that he named me. He picked me. He chose me. He knew I was going to be born, and he knew who I was going to be, and when we're singing that song today, I just really felt there's some people in this room, and you don't know that he chose you before you chose him, and I also feel like there's some people in the room, I was thinking of that, just that he chose you, but so I, I am not good with, like, precious metals or looking for diamonds and jewels. It's not my gifting. I didn't go to school for it. Um, but I can remember Kent sharing about this man that was in his congregation, and, and he was, like, a jeweler and a gemologist. And he could drive on the side of the road, pull over, and find, you know, this beautiful, like, well, I'm sure I would be like, that's a rock. Um, but inside was beauty. That's 
how the Lord sees us. We see the big rock, big, ugly, maybe there's some moss growing on it, but he knows the gem that's on the inside. And discipleship and healing and deliverance refines it so that you shine the way he always intended you to be. So you are a new creation, but you are who he made you to be. And uh, we, we do this tradition at our center when it's your birthday, you have to sit and then people affirm you. They, like, go around the table and affirm you. You have to, like, prepare yourself. Like, I prepare myself, like, months in advance for this. Like, I got Kleenex boxes and I'm ready. Because they, like, affirm you, like, so much that you're just, you know, it's like snotty nose crying. It's not beautiful. You're just like, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> you know. And this birthday, actually, I re-listened to the audio. I was crying so severely in it. I could hear myself because we record it on an iPhone and we move it around the table. And I can hear myself in the background going, <laughs> thanks, you know. <laughs> Barely able to get it out, but... What, and, and actually, my mom is on team, so my dad is George. My mom's also on team there. And what she said is, Alicia, you have always been this woman. This is always who you've been. It's just now we get to see it. And so I, I just really want to encourage some of you that feel like you're still a mossy rock, that the gem, the, you know, the diamond, the pearl that's on the inside is still there, and it's always been there. But actually, with the Lord, he's going to refine you, which I just want to say is painful and hard. There's nothing about refining that's like lovey and gushy and mushy. It's hard. But I feel like today and and over this weekend, you're going to go through the refiner's fire so that you can actually see yourself as how he made you. Wouldn't that be incredible? Um, we got ready this morning, and I, you know, I'm brushing my teeth, and I looked up, and this is very not normal for me. But I was like, oh, you look really good, just like saying myself. I'm like, you look beautiful. I, I, I do chat with myself often. Um, <laughs> for some of you, you're like, this is weird. But for those that know, you're like, mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, oh, you look beautiful today. And, you know, did one of these and left, and left the bathroom. And actually, I know that's good healing of what God is doing on the inside, that it's actually reflecting how I see myself on the outside. Because I lived many years in self-hatred and condemnation and self-harm and suicidal thoughts. So for me to look at myself and see beauty, despite my weight or my age or anything like that, or the fact that I can, like, pinpoint gray hairs and pull them out in the mirror, despite all those things, I actually see now a glimpse, not the fullness, but a glimpse of who God is making me to be. And so I want to look at what happens to us, how we get hurt, that hinders us from seeing who we are. And... um, I actually have, like, so many thoughts in my brain right now, so I'm going to have to, like, lay them out because I feel like the moment I got here, God was like, and I was seeing people, and I felt like he was like, yeah, that's my son, that's my daughter, and and so I'm going to, well, I've laid it out in a journal. We'll see if I can, like, keep course, but I want to start, actually, by reading Isaiah 61 to you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And I really felt like I came in here and there was like a word for someone that actually it's that the sorrow is over. And I, I, just, I felt like there's someone here that's literally been sitting in the sorrow, sitting in the grief, waiting in it, and, and not wanting actually to leave it because the grief and the sadness is familiar. 
Isn't it incredible that the, the things that cause us bondage, the things that hold us back become so familiar that we want to sit in them. And we don't want to step into freedom. We want to stay in that prison cell. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And I really sense um, specifically, I know there's a bunch of guys here from Teen Challenge. And actually, when I saw you come in, I really felt like the Lord was like, those, those are men that I'm going to plant for my glory. And so I just like, I really sense that. And when I see you, I sense that. And so just be encouraged that God is doing something despite what you may believe or even think that he should do with you. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. How many of you maybe came into this room today and your family is in ruins? Your life is maybe in ruins. Maybe your finances are in ruins. I walked through the door of LL Ministries and my life was in ruins. And you know what? Kent and Karen, who are directors, actually saw the gem that I was despite all the moss, <laughs> despite the puddle I was sitting in as a rock. And, but I knew ruins. That I understood. That was comfortable to me. So I, I really believe he's going to do things with families today, too. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Take heart and take hope. I have so much excitement that the children, that one day, I, if I, the Lord blesses me and I get to have kids, I get to be the first person in my family to birth Christian children. Like that, I'm, that they're going to get a Christian inheritance. Isn't that incredible? I can grieve and I can mourn over the things that are lost, but I'm going to celebrate with my God that there's going to be generational blessings flowing because of where my parents have walked and where I got to walk. Isn't that exciting? So where you walk today, your family gets to go along. Maybe some of you brought your family. That's great. Maybe some of you didn't want to bring your family. That's also okay. But I am a direct fruit of my parents' healing journey. I just want to say that to you. My parents went through the door of LL Ministries, and I was very far from the Lord. And I was living away from home, and I was living with my boyfriend at the time, and not, not going to church, not following the Lord. I wanted nothing to do with him. And I would rather party and do drugs and, and spend my money on lavish lifestyle than even be close or near my parents or the Lord. And my parents walked through the doors of LL and started healing my children. And, and I just want to say, it wasn't like fireworks went off, I'm sure. It was painful and hard what they had to walk. But that day, God showed them everywhere they had walked, they took me with them spiritually. And my brother and my sister and I were growing up. And so they made a decision as a married couple. They actually said, Lord, this, this is it. We're going to now choose to walk differently despite what anyone says. And I want to say, there have been a lot of naysayers. People don't like people that are set apart. They don't like that. You know why? Because then they want, they feel like they need to be set apart. Who wants to be around someone that convicts you? Nobody. And so I, I might not have liked, I didn't like the fact that they drove three hours to some weird place in like outside Toronto, you know, that didn't have cell phone reception, that they went there for healing. It made no sense to me. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I, I even left some notes around the house to let them know I didn't like it. But God was so faithful, and they stood so firm. And so while I was living a wild life, they were, they were standing in the gap for our family. Like Nehemiah, they literally stood and said, no more. I don't want ruins for my family anymore. I see what we've done. We want something different. And I know that I, I know the things that I got blessed with and didn't have to walk as hard through is because of their obedience. 
I know that it wasn't a coincidence that I'm out walking my dog with this guy who's trying to break up with me, and I'm trying to convince him to stay with me that I'd give up everything, even my faith, which was minimal at the time. And I literally stopped and was like, no, actually, that won't work for me. You're right. This won't work. I need to go home. Like, that's got to be the Lord. And I literally packed up my stuff, and I called my mom and dad and said, I want to come home. The Lord moved my programs for university. I was in advertising at a school in Toronto. They decided that year to move it to a different campus that was close to my house. So I didn't even have to be in the city anymore. Because he is such a rescuer. He is such a rescuer. But he's looking for willing hearts. And I got to tell you, for seven years I've been on team. And for the first maybe three plus, I really resisted because I wanted a little bit of healing. I wanted a little bit of healing because I didn't want to give everything. It felt like such a big sacrifice. It's so incredible that in that moment, I'm like, Lord, I can't give you this. This is huge. And then later, I'm like, you want all of it? I'll give you everything. Is there anything you don't have that you need or want? Please, let me give it to you. Because <laughs> that's what happens. Because you see the freedom and you think, I don't want any of this. Right? And so I can remember coming through the doors of LL. I was $30,000 of school debt, credit card debt, and then I owed money to my university where I didn't take out debt. And then I'm going to serve at a Christian ministry and raise my support. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I have ever done in my life. So I was like, I'll give them one day a week and I'll get a real job. And then I was like, well, no one does your Facebook, so I'll do two days a week. And then I was like, no one even, like, you know, updates these things. I'll do three days a week. And I knew the Lord was just waiting at, like, you know, a full week, you know. And I was like, I'd actually like to come on full time if that's okay. And I said, Lord, this is the first time in my life, but I don't think I can provide for myself. As if, like, I'm some, like, incredible provider. So I was like, you know, I know I normally out provide you, Lord, but this one time I can't, you know. And I'm sure in that moment he was like, okay. And so I started this job. So I started with LL in 2012 in September. And I said, Lord, I have no money. I um, don't know what to do. And so I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I need help paying my bills. I don't even know how to do this. And you know that lordship prayer? I used to skip over finances because I was like, oh, I've got that area. Death, finances, and sex. I was like, well, sex is a big issue. I don't want to talk about it. Death, if I say it out loud, you might kill me. And finances, I'm good with them. So I skipped those three. I would do the list, and I'd be like, you know, and skip over them a little bit. I know some of you know this. That's okay. If you did that, that's fine. He'll catch up with you later. And so... And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying to Kent, like, I don't understand. And Kent's like, you just pray and ask the Lord for money, how much you need. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have money. And, oh, like 10 days before I turned 30, God paid my entire debt. Entire debt. Like, fully debt-free. I mean, no credit cards, no school loans, nothing. It's so overwhelming that I'm like, I don't even know what to do with money. I just keep wanting to give it away because I'm like, I have a surplus. What do you even do with a surplus? Like, I, I even calculated because I have them in different, you know, accounts and savings. And I'm like, oh, that's good. Like, what should I do with it? I love to give. I love to give from that place because he's brought healing to that place. That's what happens in healing. If he heals you in the area of your sexuality and identity, you're going to believe that he's going to want to use you to affirm people in who they are. Right? He wants to pour out of that place. And I can remember thinking, there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to pray for people. I would be like some kind of fraud up there saying things that I don't agree with. And I don't even believe about myself. And God was so faithful to like pull me out 
from the pit of despair, the muck and the mire, and to place me on solid ground and say, are you ready? And I was like, eh. so for three years, I was kind of like, eh, it seemed bad. And then he said, I want all of you. In January 2015, God said, I want all of you because you are a gift from my kingdom, but I can't send you if you're not all in. And I was like, oh, what if I gave money instead? That's what I like. Because Ken said that we're, like he really felt during our prayer week that we were to like give to the Lord. And so I'm like, Lord, what about like my car? Do you want that? And like I think I had a pony at the time. So I was like, a pony? Like I'll give you the pony. You want ponies? My clothes? Like I don't know. Like do I have to stock somewhere secretly my inheritance? I'll give that to you. And he was like, no, I want you. And I knew what it meant because it meant that if I was going to choose to be all in, it was probably going to be harder. The refining would probably be a bit more hot. But I knew that there would be no looking back. And I had spent my life looking back. I spent my life imagining what it would have looked like if I walked a certain way, did a different thing, said yes to someone else, did better in this, didn't, you know, waste away my life in this. And it was the greatest decision I ever made. And it has been incredible to watch the Lord use a very imperfect vessel. But, like, and I can't even believe it sometimes. Sometimes I literally finish, you know, if I'm teaching or I write something, and I look back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's got to be you because that's not me. I can't even spell. You know, my grammar and spelling's horrible. And the Lord's really put a book on my heart. I have, like, one more chapter to go. And I asked a friend to read it, and she's reading it. I'm like, i got to write this down. This is good. She's like, you did write it. I'm like, I know, but it doesn't even feel like me. That's the Lord. That's what happens when he does a work in you. And you're here today not because of, you know, you had a free weekend or you happened to get work off or you, you know, happened to be convinced by someone to come. You came today because he knew you'd be here today. And he knew what you needed to hear, and he knew if you needed to be encouraged. He knew if you were in ruins that you needed someone to affirm the fact that that's not forever. And so take hope today that he's called you even to this place, even this weekend. Isn't that exciting? That he cares so much for you. And I just want to say this, because sometimes we can really minimize our needs or our desires, you know, because we feel like someone else has been hurt greater. Your pain and your hurt is so important to him. And he's not the type of dad that minimizes and said, I don't have time for you today. I have to spend time with this one. Their issues are worse. Instead, he's the type of dad that puts down his phone, stops what he's doing, sits in the chair and says, what do you need right now? But I don't know about you, but many of us have known an imperfect dad. My dad's here, so, you know, obviously he knows I'm going to speak today. He's not going to be like, what? You know, <laughs> he knows. And, uh, and so, you know, we've had imperfect dads. My dad and I have had a very imperfect relationship, but God has done such a restoration in us. Even the fact that we would travel together on weekends and serve together is a miracle in itself. That, you know, we, we could barely be in a car together without, you know, one of us, usually me, offering to throw myself out of the car because we were arguing so violently. And so the fact that we, we travel together and minister together, that's God's restoration plan. But sometimes we need to learn the true Father's voice. So I spent 19 years not, not knowing the Lord. So I didn't become a believer, and all of a sudden I was like, yeah, actually I'm going to forget everything I learned for 19 years. I'm going to just throw it away, and I'm only going to believe these things. It's hard. It's hard because when a false father fathers you, his voice becomes very familiar. Very familiar. But you know what? Now I'm learning between a good dad and a, and a false dad, a bad dad. 
And so, you know, if I'm walking through my day and I think, like, what are you doing? Like, get it together. I just have to stop and say, is that a good dad or a bad dad? Well, that's not a good, encouraging dad to me. If it's correction and it brings godly correction, that's one thing. But if it makes me sick to my stomach and I feel anxious and worried, that's not a good dad. And so even, even in this day, you're probably going to have to be aware of even what you're thinking. That's why he told us to renew our mind. Because what we're thinking often manifests, doesn't it? We worry all the time. That often manifests in our life. We stress all the time and overthink and over that manifests in our life. And so even in this day, you might have to say, Dad, is that your voice? You might have to say, I don't even know your voice. I've had the privilege of getting to teach a lot of youth and young people. And I have such a heart for young people because I really think that you know, whether you are three or 300, you hear the Father's voice because he desires to speak to his children. And he tells us to come as little children. So chances are the ones that are probably going to hear it in a more pure way are the ones that haven't been, you know, dated and they're, you know, young. And so I love when I get a chance to go and speak to youth because I love when they hear the Father's voice. And I had the privilege of going to a camp in um, Quebec, and I don't know where it is because I got lost on my GPS and ended up on a ferry. And so, literally, I'm on a boat in my ca- like on my car on a boat, literally messaging them, being like, I'm on a boat in my car. I don't even know where I am. They're like, you're going the right way. So I can't tell you where it is, but it's some nice, beautiful camp. And I thought I was speaking to a group of girls, and I get there, and there's, like, tons of young guys. And I'm like, um, is this a co-ed camp? And she's like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, who's doing this? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, did I tell you that? And I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe. It's Okay. It's okay, you know, whatever. And, you know, we're, uh, we're setting up something, and in my mind, I'm like, Lord, they are not going to appreciate the, you know, the precious, you know, girly message that I brought. Like, you're going to have to say something else. And she said, I want them to hear my voice today. And I just want to say, that's really scary for, like, the person praying, because I'm like, oh, Lord, please let them hear your voice. He's probably like, I gave you that idea. I'll speak to them, you know, but I'm like, oh, what if? And so I give them some time to listen for the Father's voice, and I ask them, you know, to share, like, what they felt God was saying. And some young girl was like, I feel like I'm going to be president. And I'm like, oh, no, this could go really wild. (laughs) And yet she could very much be president one day. I have no idea. And it was very silent. And then all of a sudden someone said, he says that I am chosen. And then someone else is like, he says that I'm chosen. And it's like I heard coming from the room these surprised responses of who they are. And then I got to pray with them. And I think I cried more than they did. Because it's the coolest thing I've ever got to be a part of are watching young kids hear the Father's voice for the first time and know who they are. Because this is the thing. Kent, myself, and Matt, you know, Megan or my dad, we could say a hundred words to you, but it will not compare to when your father speaks to you. People go all over the world looking for a word. They go to events and conferences like this, and they look for people, and they want a word. He gave us the word. He is the word. So if you need a word, then go to the word, right? Everyone's, you know, please give me a word. He is the word, and he died so that you would know that life, an abundant life, he is literally waiting to speak. But so often we doubt that we'll even hear it. And we miss out. And I got to sit in front of this one girl, and she says to me, I, have, I didn't hear anything. It's like my biggest fear. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I can't make anything up. You know, I can't be like, well, let's hear together. And like, no, no, no. Like, mumble something. You know, that's not good. 
And so I'm like, Lord, you are good and faithful. I know you want to speak to your children. I said, let's pray again. But before I did, I said, does your dad love spending time with you? And, you know, blessings to this dad because she said, my dad loves spending time with me. I said, how would you get to know your dad's voice? She said, well, I spend time with him. I know his voice. And I said, so if someone said something out of character of your dad, what would you say? I'd say, that's not his voice. I said, so you're going to have to apply that to your world right now because you know a good dad. And we're sitting there and we're praying, and then all of a sudden, just tears start running down her cheeks. And she says, I am so sorry. She says, I am so, so good. That was me. Honestly, these kids worshiped for like four hours. Like everything was over, the leaders were done, and they just sat and they worshiped and cried because they were so blown away that the Father spoke to them. And I believe that that the Father's going to speak to you today. And I believe it's going to have to do with your name, to to the words that you've been given. And this is the thing, when we get wounded and hurt, we take on those labels, those words as our identity, don't we? You know, this is the thing. If you have a pulse, you've probably been rejected. And rejection is a very cruel spirit because not only are you rejected, but then because of that spirit, other people reject you. It is so unkind because you know what people that are rejected need? They need love and acceptance. So the same spirit that causes you to feel rejected then rejects other people and pushes them away, and you don't get what you need. And so most of us, pretty much all of us here, have been hurt at one point in our life. And often that's where we take on the identity, don't we? Because sometimes it's easier to believe that you're a loser than it is to believe that he has called you to be a warrior in his kingdom. Because it also might mean that you have to start walking like a warrior, not like a loser. Because this is the thing, we are sons and daughters of the Most High. So did you walk through the doors of this church today as a son or a daughter of the Most High? Or did you you know, drop your head in shame because you felt unworthy to even be here? Did you sit down and hope no one sat beside you because they might really see who you are? Are you walking like a son and a daughter of the king? That's a tough question to ask, isn't it? Because you know what? When we get wounded, shame and, and you know, condemnation and judgment and rejection, they love to fall for us. They love to let us know who we are. And they will take every opportunity to tell us. And so when we have that wound, we are vulnerable to be hurt in that way. And so the way I look at it is, you know, the body's incredible. The fact that, like, you know, it scabs and grows and, you know, the scab falls off. That's amazing. I'm clearly not medical by any means. I'm sure there's, like, some sort of medical professional in the room being like, that is not natural. Like, goo, what is that? Okay, so, but we know, most of us, if you cut yourself, chances are, even if you have to get stitches or whatever, your, your body's going to heal. It might scab, and that will fall off, but usually you, sometimes you have a scar, don't you? So that means there's memory over what happened, but if someone squishes it, it's not squishing into an open wound, am I right? So when we're wounded and we lo- don't let God heal us, we walk around with these festering wounds. They don't get to heal. They don't get to scab, and the pain is still real even when it's old. I just want to say that. Because you might say this, that was 30 years ago, that doesn't matter. Well, if that wound is outworking in your life, chances are it does. And most people are like, I don't want to go to the past. I don't live in the past. But often your past still lives in you. And so what we can do with our wounds is literally come to the one who, who literally has scarred hands and say, Lord, 
I've been really hurt here. And every time my spouse does this, it touches this place. For those of you that are married, I'm sure you know that it's like, I imagine when you get married, it's like the Lord gives you this like digital download of like where your spouse's wounds are so that you know in case you'd like to just bump into them, right? Because isn't it incredible that like there could be someone that he made for you and called you to be with and you're like, how would they even know that's my wound to like bump up against that? You know why? So he can be refined, right? So he can heal that place. So you don't have to bump up against each other. And if you do, you bump up against something healed and be like, remember when you used to say that and that made me cry so much, but now it doesn't? Right? That's great. Family. Family bumps up against your wounds, don't they? Because they know where they are. And they know how to find them. Right? Often we know where our wounds are. And sometimes we re-wound ourselves. And we say things like, who do you think you are? You'll never be that. That's not who God made you to be. Get back here. And so then we reopen up the wound. But I really believe he wants to heal some of these wounds today. And that takes... One, submission, awareness, right? This is the thing. I love the the skit with body, soul, spirit, and authority. I think I've seen it like, I don't even know how many times. And every time, God still shows me a way where I've maybe gave away a key to an area of my life. And you know what? I take that opportunity to rejoice and be glad because I can't wait to see him take it back. Because that's why we get to have Jesus. Because he says, I see those keys, I know where they are, and if you're willing, if you're willing, let's get them back. He loves that. Do you know, I can't even imagine how excited he is. He must, he must be thrilled to know, I can't wait for my daughter to not walk like she thinks she's an embarrassment all the time. I can't wait for my son to make eye contact with someone when he introduces himself with them because he doesn't feel like he's an embarrassment or a, or a shame. He loves when, when we get rescued, because he is a rescuer. Um, you know, we often talk about the names of God, and um, I had to teach on something, and it was Jehovah Nissi, and I skipped that one because I didn't want it, because it was the Lord is my banner. And I, I, I don't know, but I pictured like a ribbon, so I was like, the Lord is my banner. I don't know, that just doesn't really speak to me. And the Lord said, that's the one I want you to focus on. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I'm like, okay, you know, and he's like, oh, ye of little faith of what you don't know. And I began to research about, like, being, you know, in the war and having banners. And, you know, these incredible banners that would represent what side of the army you were on. So if you got lost, you could look for your banner, and you knew that there was safety there. You knew that those people were for you. Actually, that's, that's where you could find refuge. So this is what I thought of. What if God's name is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. So, you know, what does God say about us? He says that we are loved, pure, called, chosen friends. If that's the banner he's placed over us, that we want to hold up a banner that says, you know, unforgivable. Or I want to hold up a banner that says embarrassment. This is the issue. I don't get to stand beside the banner that says, you know, chosen and forgiven. Because I'm going to confuse people on which side I'm on. And the Lord said to me, Alisa, I love you, and this is the banner you belong under. But right now, if you're going to hold those up, you're going to have to stand in the camp that represents that banner. And I was like, oh, I don't want that. I want to be in that camp. He said, then you're going to have to lay them down. But they were so familiar to me. I've, I've been, you know, bashing myself for as long as I can remember. I have hated myself, hated past tense, for as long as I could remember. That was the only reason I, I felt 
self-harm was so comforting because it actually, like, I felt like it reprimanded what I believed I deserved on the inside. Because I believed that I had done things that were just unforgivable to the Lord. And so, like Matt said today, I had to make a free will decision and say, Lord, I don't want to carry this anymore because I want to be under your covering and I don't want authority in this area. And so I had to lay down my raggedy banners. And I imagine mine were streamers, probably like crappy streamers too. Like I have some from Amazon and they just tangle. So that's what I imagine I was holding, thinking I was holding something so great. And he's like, you're going to have to lay these down so that I can actually stand with the proper banner that says I am chosen, that there is no shame for me. And he will go through great lengths to let you know just how loved you are. Because he loves to tell his children how much God loves them. He delights in it. Because if the enemy can keep you in bondage, then he'll keep you from stepping into what God has for you in the kingdom of God. And I want to say this. Every single one of you has a purpose in the kingdom of God. Every single one of you. Isn't that amazing? That he would want to use us? And not in a usury way, but in like a loving way. That's incredible. And so you are here for a purpose. He didn't make you to just survive. He didn't make you to just get through life. And he didn't make you to be like, well, this is as good as it gets. I'm just trying to cope. That is not an abundant life. He made you for abundance. Not easy, but for abundance. I just want to be really clear. In case someone's like, um, I prayed and I am seeing um, very difficult things in front of me. So abundance, not necessarily easy. Um, and so I just want to share something. So uh, for those of you that know the story of the lost son or the prodigal son or, you know, the, the, I always think of it as like the most loving father, right? And so you have this son that asks his dad for his inheritance. You know, I want half of my state. I, estate. I want to leave. I want to see mom and dad which in itself is so offensive to basically say, I wish you were dead, give me your money, I'd like to go. And then he spends it on wild living and, you know, does all these things and ends up having this revelation that at least I could be a servant in my dad's home. I think some of you today are coming as a servant today. And he wants to, to restore sonship to you. And this is the thing, you could actually stay as a servant in a house and not know who your dad is. Because the other son... Right? So we, the other son in that story that stayed and he worked, I was related to that son probably because I'm an only, like an oldest child. And so as an oldest child, I was like, oh my gosh, that son, he just worked so hard. This is a long time ago, but I was like, he worked so hard. And he didn't get a fat cow, and there's no party for him. I was like having a pity party with the son. And I'm like, yeah, I would have complained too. More. And I felt like he was like, you have missed the message so much. And I'm like, no, Lord, you don't understand. He worked so hard for you. But the Lord had to show me that both of those sons had no idea who their dad was. Because the one that worked hard to earn the love, to just be good, to be there out of bitterness, didn't know that he was sitting under the covering of a lavish dad who would throw a party for him on Monday. And the son that wanted to come back as a slave didn't know who his dad was because he didn't know that his dad would actually not only accept him with love, but reinstate him. And so when that son is coming far off, I love that because that means that the dad had to be looking. So the father is looking for you today. He is waiting and looking. Many of you might feel like he is busy and wants nothing to do with you, but that is not the truth of who a good father is. He is waiting, waiting for you to come. And that means he probably was like this. Well, that must be nice. I'm sure he had things to do. It's not like he's going to be like, well, my son will probably come home between the hours of 2 and 4. It's not like Amazon and FedEx. He doesn't know when he's going to come. 
right? So he doesn't have a time limit or like cable. It's more like, you know, when you get, you, I don't know, remember when people had cable and like internet people at the time when they'd be like, we will be here between the hours of like 1 a.m. or midnight three weeks from now. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll be ready. You know, and every day you're like, is that them? Is that them? I can't go anywhere. You can't make appointments. You know, that's what I imagine the dad as, you know, waiting because my son might come home any moment and I need him to know how much I love him. And he sees his son long off, and his son had the possibility of maybe walking through this community being ridiculed. I can't believe you've come home. Who do you think you are? You wasted everything. And the dad lifts up his robe and runs, which would be so not accustomed for a man in that, age, in that day. And he runs to his son. His son didn't run to him. He ran to him. And, you know, you rehearse speeches to the Lord. I'm a speech rehearser. I'm like, Lord, this is what I want to say to you. I've been practicing all night, and he's probably like, I've been listening all night. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, this is how it's going to go down. And he's like, let me stop you before you even began. A lot of wasted time there. I just want to tell you I love you. And the dad meets him before he can get out this rehearsed speech that I'm sure he's, like, been walking and planning and, you know, butterflies in his stomach, and he reinstates him. He even gives him a ring with a seal, which is, you know, when you, when you seal something in that home, that would have been authority. He gives him authority gives him sandals for his feet because slaves didn't wear shoes. They were barefoot. And his son was not going to be some slave. You are not a slave. And you have not been called to be a slave. You have been called to be a son or daughter of the Most High. So stop walking around barefoot in hopes that something might roll your way like a crumb, that you might be good enough to get something. You'll never be good enough. He just loves you for who you are. And so I, I just have a sense that we need to go to the Father today. And he might have to run and stop your speech midway, because you might have been practicing for 30 years for all I know. I don't know. But I feel like he wants to come, and he wants to say something to you today. And he wants to speak right into that wound. Because he wants to see healing more than you do. He wants your family healed more than you do. He wants to see your children come back to the Lord more than you do. He wants to see restoration in your marriage more than you do. He wants to see your church come into revival more than you do. He wants to see your life have no bondage or addiction more than you do. So chances are, for whatever you're pleading for, he's waiting to talk to you about it. And he is good to respond. And so I'm just going to pray for us before we start because I just want to say, and this happens anytime we pray for people, they usually say, but I don't hear the Lord. But when we have been falsely fathered for so long, his voice is unfamiliar to us, and we have to learn how to hear it. So I just want to say, if you want to learn the father's voice, then get into the manuscript that he left you. It's like having love letters and stuffing them in a glove box and wondering if your spouse loved you and him being like, I left you them. And you're like, I know. I just haven't read them. Are you sure you love me? And he's like, it's the glove box. I don't know. Have you ever read mine? And so this, he left us his word so that we would know how loved we are. And I just want to say, if you're reading like a version and it, and it doesn't speak to you, Lord, I need, would you even help me find a Bible that speaks to my heart? Um, I have a, a passion translation that I have, and I, I, and I have an NLT, and I have a study Bible and something else, and I never thought I'd be one of those people that had multiple Bibles. I saw people like that, and I'm like, what do you do with them? And, and now I am one, um, and uh, I love it. I get really excited because like some I write in, some have cool designs, so I just love them. 
But um, I, I'm reading the Passion right now, and I love Song of Songs, and I just want to say for women in the room where, where your sexuality has been really marred, it is so beautiful, and he often pulls in, like, the Hebraic meanings, and there's something that goes right into your spirit in that. And it's important that you say, Lord, I want to learn to hear your voice. And I want to say, if you've been falsely fathered, this is going to be hard to leave. And you could give up, or you could actually press through. Lord, this is hard to read, but I'll, I'll do a verse tonight with you. Lord, this is hard for me, but I want to do a chapter with you. Lord, would you even send someone that can help me learn? Right? That's, that's, why, you, that's why there's different generations in the church. Because I guarantee you there's people in this church or in your own church that love the Word of God. That they see this and they get excited. And, and they're like, I would read the Word of God with you. You know, it's like, that's like how I feel when people want to do like movie trivia with me or like typing tests. I, I really like typing tests. I know it's super lame. So I feel like when I meet someone else that's like, I do typing tests for fun. I'm like, you know, and so, you know, and then it's like, oh, yeah, what word do you always get tripped up on? And like 107 words a minute. And, you know, everyone that's not like this is like so unsure. Um, but there are people in this church, in your church family, that love the Word of God and have spent time in the Word of God, and so glean from them. You, and be bold. Uh, listen, I read this, and I don't understand. Would you read with me one day a week so I can learn my, my Father's voice? Then you're going to have to spend time with Him. That means you have to be aware of what you listen to and what you watch. And, you know, Kent covered Lordship, but I just want to say this. What you put in it, is spiritual food, right? What you watch is what you're putting in your body. And that's, you know, I'm not here to, like, go through your Netflix of what you previously watched or anything. And I'm not here to judge you, but I do want to say you have to be very cautious of what you put in here. They were very cautious of what they put into the temple of God. And you know what happened when they put in idols and, and bad things? Yeah, usually that stuff had to go. And, and so you might even have to say, Lord, is there a reason that I can't hear your voice? I can remember, I used to watch things that were so defiling, and because I had a battle with pornography and an addiction to it, I, I was desensitized to anything. Nothing fazed me. I could watch movies with people, and they'd be like, you know, kind of like waiting for my reaction, and I felt nothing. I mean, I got to tell you, I, I am a lover of Hallmark now, and even sometimes in Hallmark, I'm like, wow, that was a heated argument. You know, and let's be serious, most Hallmark movies are like, you know, pretty predictable. You know what's going to happen, and they're very precious. Um, and but but see, this has taken a long time for me to to sift and sort what I've put in to my temple, what I've allowed to come in, what I've allowed myself to listen to. Actually, when I first came to LL, this is what I said after the Lordship teaching: God, I love, Lord, I love Kanye West so much. I know, I know, you didn't picture that, did you? You're probably like, she's going to be a country fan, but no, it's just not true. Hip-hop all the way. And so I'm like, Lord, I love Kanye so much. How am I going to give up my music? And I used to, like, my, the music is actually what, like, shows the state that I was in. I can remember being in high school, and there's a song by the Goo Goo Dolls called Iris. And I, I can be in the car now, and it plays, and I can literally feel almost the same spirit behind that music that I could feel when I was in high school. And you know what that spirit wanted me to do? Is kill myself. And I feel it, and I, and I switch it. And I don't care if I'm lame, and I only listen to, like, Christian radio. I really don't care what anyone thinks, because I want to hear my father's voice. And so you might have to say, Lord, I have put so much junk in here that it's like sifting through a garage sale. And I need stuff out. I need to purge because I want to hear your voice so bad. 
with you are parched. He wants to fill you. He wants to quench your thirst. How many of you came today and you're kind of dry? I don't know about you, but like being in a wilderness can be really exhausting. <laughs> being dry is exhausting, and he wants to fill you today. And so, you know, even, even as, as we're going to pray, you might even have to under your breath be like, Lord, I have listened and watched some things that I know have helped me learn the false father's voice over you. But I'm going to trust, actually, he will speak to you, whether it's now, an hour from now, or three weeks from now, where all of a sudden you're sitting at work and you're like, yes, and it just gets deposited in. His timing is perfect, and it says he's never slow. Um, but, I, but I'm going to pray for us first, and then I'm going to get Megan to come up and just play some music, and I'm just going to give you an opportunity to listen for your dad's voice today before we move on. And, you know, if you hear and you're, you know, ecstatic, then head outside. You can grab a coffee and tea with your excitement and exuberance. But if you want to just sit and listen. And I want to say this. There's, not, there's points in our lives where we don't have access to a pastor or a ministry team. And I just need to be really clear for this because I can remember coming to LL being like, what am I going to do? How am I ever going to hear the Lord again? Who's going to pray for me? And listen, Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly, I'm sure, you know, love hanging out with you. But chances are they can't be with you every moment of the day to sit and be like, yeah, that's the Lord's voice. Or this is how, right? This is, this is why we get discipled. This is why discipleship is so important so that pastors can do what they're called to do. And then you can go and disciple other people in the church. Right? So you can be like, I couldn't hear the Lord either, but now I do. I'll hang out with you, and then probably your pastors are going to be like, woo-woo. Yeah, now I can get my sermon done, you know? I can't even imagine. Sometimes I have Kent's laptop to do some design work, and he gets so many emails that, like, I'm uncomfortable that I just, I give back the laptop, and I'm thinking, like, may God be with you, you know, as you, like, get through all this stuff. But see, this is why God calls teams and, you know, prayer teams in the church and calls people up and calls you up. You cannot just sit in a pew every day of your life and hope to be fed. That's not the way it works. We are called to be disciples. He said, go out and make disciples. He didn't say, go out and only receive. Complain every church you go to. Look for pastors that don't do it the way you like. Look for worship people that are wearing sandals instead of running shoes. You go out and you complain. He didn't say that. He said, go out and heal those in my name. You will do greater things than me. Are you doing greater things or are you wallowing in the pew hoping that someone's going to see that you're upset and help you? Get some help from the one that will help you. Am I right? Right? And this is the thing. He has abundance for you right now. Abundance. He didn't make you to be like a bench warmer. He wants to get you in the game. Right? And it's kind of like you want to still be in t-ball. And he's like, yeah, that doesn't fly for me anymore. Come on. Come on. No more, you know, no more baby formula. No more milk. Come with me. I have solid food for you. I have greater things for you. I want to see you disciple other men in the program that you're in because I have called you to greater things. I want to see you disciple married couples who have walked through what you walked through. I want to see you disciple other young people who want to look to the world instead of God for their identity. I want to see you disciple other women who took a child's life and need to know that they are loved. That's why you are called. That's why he has called you for a purpose. He says I, he has plans for you. And so are you living out your call and your purpose, or are you just hoping and praying that the Father might see you and throw a crumb your way and your day might be better than the one yesterday? 
So I'm going to pray for us. I know I keep saying that, and I don't, and I'm watching the web, and I'm sure Mary's back there being like, this clock means nothing to her. I texted her beforehand and told her that. I was like, the clock may read something different. I'm sorry, I'm not rebellious. So she knew already. Um, But I want to pray for us. I want to first, I'm going to pray for our emotions. How many of you love emotions? Okay, like five people are like, oh, I do, and the people around them are probably like, and I don't, you know. God gave us emotions. He gave us emotions. Jesus showed tons of emotions. It said he got so angry when he saw the injustice going on in his church that he flipped the tables. Because there is a righteous anger. If you have been abused or you are married to someone who has, I bet you might have a righteous anger inside you for what was done to them. If you have sore grief, you know, we have emotion, but what we do with them is our responsibility. You can bury emotions all you want, but they bury alive, and they're going to leak out on the people you love. And they leak out on the worst things, right? Someone tells you that they burnt your popcorn, and you weep for two days, right? That's reality. That's unprocessed emotions, okay? And so so we're going to pray together before we get, you know, get into it, and we're just going to say, Lord, I want to recognize that I may not have been processing my emotions in a godly way. Because when we do that, we give authority, not to the one who made our emotions when we stuff them and choose to ignore them. We give authority to the wrong camp. Right? So you're going to get on the right team today. This is like you get to choose who coaches you. You get to pick the losing team or the winning team. So you should probably pick the winning team. So we're going to pray through emotions, and, and we're going to ask the Lord to just even come and be Lord over our emotions, to have access to them today. And for those of you that have shut down grief, This might be a really scary thought because the lie might come, what if you cry for the rest of your life? What if you are sad and it never stops? Is that a good dad or a bad dad? Yeah. And so you you know what to do in that moment. Lord, that's not your voice. That's not your heart for me. I want to choose to obey you. And then I'm going to have Megan come up, and I'm just going to pray that the Father speaks right into the wound, right into the core identity of who you are. And comes against the lie that you walked in the door with today. And I just want to say this. Chances are, if it's really good, it's usually his voice. Because most of us aren't like, hello, Pastor Kelly, it's lovely to meet you. I am chosen, beautiful, and pure. You know, it's usually not how we walk around. So chances are, if he says you are called, you don't have to be like, oh, no, I don't know if that's your voice, Lord. I think actually you might be able to say, Lord, if that's you, I know you're going to show me, but, but I want to choose to believe that I am called because it says so in your word. We have a choice what we do in those moments when he speaks to us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and we're gonna, I'm gonna, I am trusting that the Father wants to run and speak to you today, that he wants to give you a new name, that he wants to call you son or daughter, chosen, forgiven, called, So, Father, I want to come first and foremost, and I want to place my emotions before you. And I want to acknowledge, Lord, that I have not processed or walked out my emotions in a healthy way. Maybe sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. Lord, sometimes they feel so big and overwhelming. Sometimes I'd rather not feel them. Lord, sometimes I actually hurt people with them. I want to say I'm so sorry, and I want to acknowledge that you are Lord over my emotions. But today I want to give you lordship over my emotions. I want to give you access 
to my emotions, and that is not because you want to punish me. That's not because you want to make me cry forever. It's because <laughs> you want me to know and, and actually be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I just want to address everywhere that the demonic has had rights to sit on emotions in this room that you have to come off in the name of Jesus. I just command everywhere that the enemy has sat on emotions like grief and caused it to even like repeat itself where people have been in constant grief, I just command it off in the name of Jesus. And there have been points where Jesus had to, you know, say that your time of grieving is over. And so, Lord, we just even ask for just your joy to come in this moment. I just even bind down the fear of getting it wrong right now. The fear that I might not pray it right, I might not heal right. The fear that the Lord might not speak to me. And I bind every spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, and I tell you to be quiet. And we invite the Holy Spirit, would you come? And you are, you are the greatest friend we're going to ever know, because today you're going to remind us of what our God has said to us. You're going to remind us of, of how the Father sees us. So Holy Spirit, we just want to invite you, even right now, to come. Lord, I, I want to say that I have believed so many lies about myself that I don't even know who I am anymore. I can list off, I could make a, a full, you know, point form, run down list of all the things I've done wrong and all the things that I am not. But today, Lord, I want to know who I am. And I thank you that you are the God that comes to us. That you are the God that lifts up our chin when we feel so ashamed. You are the dad that pulls us out from the pit where we feel dirty and used and forgotten and you clean us up. Dad, would you come today? Father, we just invite you to come and wash our feet, wash us in this moment. We invite you, Father, to even come and speak a word to our heart that we'd know it's you. Like that little girl that knew that she was so, so good. And Lord, I want to choose to believe that what you say today about me is good. That your plans and your purposes are good for my life. Because your word says that I am passionately in love with God. Because he listens to me. He hears my prayers and answers them. As long as I live, I keep praying to him. So he stoops down to listen to my heart's cry. He is stooping down to find you in this moment and to listen to the cry of your heart. And maybe that's what you need from the Father right now, to just hold you and let you talk. Death once stared me in the face. And I was close to slipping into dark shadows. I was terrified and overcome with sorrow. I cried out to the Lord to have come and save me. He was so kind, so gracious to me because of his trust and fear of me. He made everything right and he restored me. So I've learned from my experience that God protects the childlike and humble ones. That I was broken and brought low. But he answered me and came to my rescue. 
Now I just say to myself and to all, relax and rest, be confident, for the Lord rewards fully those who simply trust in him. God has rescued my soul from death's fear and dried my eyes of many tears, and he kept my feet firmly planted on a rock and strengthened me so that I may see him and live my life before him in his life-giving word. Even when it seems I'm surrounded by many liars and my own fears, and though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. So now what can I ever give back to God to repay him for the blessings he's poured out on me? I will lift up his cup of salvation and praise him extravagantly for all that he's done for me. I will fulfill the promise I made to God in the presence of his gathered people. Lord, because I am your loving servant, you have broken open my life and freed me from my pain. Now I will worship you passionately and bring to you my sacrifice of praise, drenched with thanksgiving. I want to encourage if you are hearing You know, even if it's like a glimpse, even if you're starting to hear a little bit, we can even in that moment, thank you, Lord. We can give our thanksgiving to him as praise and an offering. Thank you, Lord, that you see who I really am. Thank you, Lord, that you see the pleasure on the inside. And you're not intimidated by this tough exterior that I have created. you, Lord, that it is almost overwhelming how much you love me. Thank you, Father, that you chose me before I even chose you. I just want to encourage you, if you need to literally come and get on your knees before the Father, to just be all in today, to just let him embrace you and let him embrace you because the Father wants the full of you. And there is no shame and condemnation in this place. There is nothing embarrassing about weeping under the love of the Father. That's actually strength. It's knowing who you are. And so, Father, would you even call your children to yourself, even right now? Because you are a good, good God. sense that there's literally some men in the room that he's trying to tell you that you are one of those oaks of righteousness, that you are a mighty warrior and you're trying to fight it. Would you let him call you up? Would you let him plant you and have you stand firm? Be bold in this time. Be bold today. I feel like there's there's some women in the room right now and he's, and he's trying to tell you that you are pure And you're trying to tell him all the reasons you're not. He's not looking for excuses. He's just looking for you to receive his love right now. This is not the time to argue with our dad. This is the time to believe in who he's made us to be. I feel like there's a mom in the room who is holding herself accountable for something she's done. 
and the Lord's trying to love you as a mom, and he's actually trying to say that he's proud of you as a mother, and you're trying to tell him all the ways you didn't mother well. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking to love you right now as a mom. And so if that's you, respond. (laughs) Respond because he wants to affirm who you are as a mom. there's a dad here who's been absent for the majority of his children's lives and he feels like he's not even worthy to have them in his life but praise God that we are made in his image and our past is not what defines us but the call he has on our life we can actually pick that up and walk in it so if he's calling you if he's saying you are my son and I've called you to be a father you're going to ask him what to do with it, but you can choose not to throw it away right now. I feel like there's some married couples in the room, and he's calling you together. Like, specifically together. Like, he's like pinpointing both of you. Both your hearts are racing. And he's saying, I've called you for greatness together. I've called you for more together. I want to I wanna pour into you together. Together you are strong. A cord of of three strands is not easily broken. And so if he's calling you as a couple, one of you might need to make the first move and literally take your spouse by the hand and say, today we, we lay down all the things we've believed about ourselves as parents, as a couple, and we want to be used by the Lord mightily. He's looking for willing children right now. He's not looking for perfect children. You are never going to be perfect. And I just even bind down the perfection. Let the Father affirm who you are, that you are men worthy to be called sons. Daughters chosen, pure, and set apart. If he's calling your heart and you feel like you're to stand or kneel or respond in some way, don't be silent because you will be really disappointed if you miss out on meeting with the Lord. Don't worry. No one is here to look at you. They're here to hear from the Father. So even we bind down the fear of man of what someone might think of me. parent household and you feel like you are less than that you have less to offer that you are you know you don't deserve to be you know in whatever place he's giving you or whatever he's saying to you we are not deserving of what he offers that's why we get it as a free gift and so for those of you that are like a single parent feeling like who am I you are a son or daughter of the most high that's who you are you are not forgotten. And for those of you that feel like you have been forgotten, that the Lord has walked past you and helped others but not yourself, that is not the words of a good dad. He cannot and will not forget you. You are unforgettable to him. For anyone that's been trying to have a child and feels like God has forgotten them and forsaken them, his timing is perfect. 
been waiting on a promise from the Lord and you feel like you were foolish to even believe it was a promise. I just want to say that there is nothing foolish about waiting for God because I bet Noah felt super foolish building a boat when there was no rain. You are not foolish for waiting on a promise from the Lord who is the keeper of today, I just even want to encourage you in this moment just to say, Lord, I see my wounds. I see the hurt. I see the pain. And I am tired of trying to fix it, to medicate it, to cover it, to put a band-aid on it. I want you to go for the root today. Even if your mother and your father have forsaken you, he will not. So for those of you that feel abandoned right now, I just want to say that he is the dad that the father left. David in the room. You're probably like, you know, the youngest, the weakest, the smallest. And God is calling you to something and you feel like, why would you pick me? David brought a rock and a sling to a sword fight. But he knew who his dad was. away, his father saw him coming. Dressed as a beggar, a great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, kissed him over this tender love. And the son said, Father, I was wrong. I sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And the father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to the servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe for my very own robe. I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the, re- the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it, on his, put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. 
everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. I really want to just spend, just to finish off, just to end with worship, to praise him. And you, you can stay where you are in worship. I just want to say that you are released to worship how the Lord leads you right now. the song yours because we're going to let him know that the praise is his and the glory is his and and maybe we could stand together to praise the one who made us to, to celebrate together that we are sons and daughters of the most high And if he's pouring out his love on you, please don't feel like you have to go get a coffee and get up. You can sit under his love until you feel released to move. Because when he wants to love his children, he will love you no matter, <laughs> you know, what time a bell rings or a coffee break comes. So let's celebrate the love that the Father has for us today. And worship from a place of a son and daughter of the Most High. We're not coming as beggars right now. We're coming as children of the King. And so, Lord, would you stir in us a heart of worship, a heart of praise. We want to choose today to worship you. Worship is not about feeling. It is a choice because you deserve it, because you are worthy, and you are glorious and beautiful. And so we want to choose to worship you from this place of a loved son or daughter. Help us to flow abundantly from the place you're flowing into us. Help us to sing and, and choose to worship you despite our circumstances and what we feel because you are worthy of our praise. Thank you, Father.